Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We're gonna jump right into the message today as we're in this uh, series to kick off the new year. But I wanna make a disclaimer up top. I think I've said this to you before, but I'm gonna say it again. Uh, when, when you get up to preach the word of God, there's two things that are essential. The first and foremost is truth, right? Like we come here, we wanna, we wanna hear truth. Um, and that's essential. But I've learned over time as a communicator, it's not just enough to have truth. Your tone as a preacher also matters. And when I say tone, I'm talking about my disposition. I'm talking about my heart. I'm talking about uh, how I feel about the people. So I am 100% confident in the truth that I am about to preach. But it's one of those kind of different and kind of unique messages where the tone matters so much. Because what we're gonna talk about today rarely, and this is unfortunate, but it rarely gets talked about in the church world, and that needs to change because it is such an integral and important part of the human experience and of who we are as followers of Christ Jesus. And so before we jump in, will you just pray with me? And I'm actually gonna pray selfishly kind of, but I'm gonna pray from my heart today. I've been asking all week as I've been preparing this message, God, would you give me a heart, of, just give me a pastor's heart. Give me a heart of a shepherd. Give me a tender heart today, God. I do not want one ounce in this message of condemnation. Jesus, uh, we know, makes it real clear in the book of Romans, we know it's real clear. Therefore, now there is no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. For those of you who are in Christ Jesus have been set free from the law of sin and death. And so Jesus, in these next few minutes, through the power and the voice of your Holy Spirit, I pray that this beautiful truth would, would be received in everybody's heart the way that they need to receive it from you, Father God. I pray that you would give me such a pastoral tone. I pray that there would be such a tenderness in this room. I pray that there would be such a kindness of spirit that comes out of me. Jesus, I wanna have your spirit as I'm up here talking to these beautiful people. I came a long way to say some, I think, really important things. And so would you just meet with us in these next few minutes like you faithfully always do? We give this time to you and we pray it in your awesome, precious name. And all my friends said... Amen. So I was watching uh, Eric's service from last week, and I'm not sure if Trevor did it the week before or not, but uh, he had you guys recite what, what is called in the Old Testament the Shama, right? This was one of the centrally, if not the most important prayer that Israel, when they would get together as a community of believers, that they would pray together, right? And the reason it's so fundamental and important is because Jesus in the New Testament would tell us that this was the single greatest command. You remember a couple times in the Gospels, they asked Jesus, a group of people, hey, what's the most important of the 613 commands in our Jewish Torah. What's the most important? And he quoted what? The, the Shama. And so I'm gonna do what Eric had you guys do last week because when I was watching, I was like, that's beautiful. I'm gonna have you read this with me the way the Israelites would have done it in the Old Testament. So I'm gonna count to three because we're a bunch of awkward people that will all start different times. So when I say one, two, three, we're gonna read this together and really think about what we're not only reading, but what we are asking and praying to God in 2024. One, Two, three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And I get the privilege and I got the assignment of talking about, uh, we're, we're kind of breaking down the soul and the mind. And, and I get the privilege this week of talking about loving God with all of your strength. Or as Jesus quoted it in the New Testament, in the Gospels, loving God with all your, you're ready for it? Your body. 
right? How often do you come to church and hear, hear talks about the body? It happens so very rarely, and yet the body is literally like one-third of God's divine plan for the human experience. It's such an essential part of who we are. Uh, I wanna start by building the spiritual foundation, and then we'll get practical at the end, but uh, the spiritual foundation starts with this. It is, we have one of the most important fundamentals of our faith is this thing called the Trinity, right? You guys understand the doctrine of the Trinity? If you're newer to church, it's kind of simple, but it's also also a bit mysterious and sometimes hard to fully understand, but it is the truth. We serve one God who has manifested himself all throughout creation in three different persons, right? We have God the Father, we have God his son, Jesus Christ, who became a body. He, he came into this physical world, and then we have God's Holy Spirit that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, he then gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, not being around us sometimes, but literally the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you. So we are people of the Trinity. We have this Trinitarian nature. And if you ever study the Trinity, what you'll notice when you're, when you're seeing God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when you see their relationship, the best way that I can explain it is a word that I can't even spell. It's this, it's symbiotic. There is this natural, rhythmic, symbiotic relationship that God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have, right? When you hear them in the scriptures, you see that they are constantly affirming and honoring each other and the different roles that they play within what's called the Godhead or the Trinity, right? You hear God just affirming Jesus. He cracks open after Jesus is baptized. He cracks open the skies and he says, this is my son with what? With whom I'm well pleased. He said, you should listen. Listen to him, because he's the truth, right? And then you hear Jesus the whole time he's here, he's deflecting from himself, and he's putting emphasis on the Holy Spirit and emphasis on God, right? Jesus would say, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Jesus would go, I'm just coming here to do my Father's will. He's putting the emphasis there. And then Jesus would say, hey, I I know that you've enjoyed me being here, but I'm gonna leave here shortly. I'm gonna go back to heaven. He says, but it's good that I go because when I leave, I'm gonna give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's putting all the emphasis on God and the Holy Spirit. It's this mutual symbiotic honoring of each other. And then the, the, the Holy Spirit, for all the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit does, right? He's our comforter. He's our encourager. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He's the one the Bible says that guides us into all truth, right? But the ultimate goal of the Holy Spirit is not for the Holy Spirit to have the show for himself. It's to point people to Jesus Christ. It's to convict the world of sin so that we know we need a savior. It's like the, the, the Trinity, all they're constantly doing is affirming the other three, the other two, right? And honoring the other two. Now, here's why I start with that is because we were made, Genesis, tells us in the image of God, right? We were made in the image and likeness of God and there is a Trinitarian pattern that God gave us humans. They're God, we are not. We are, we are creation, he is creator, but he put in us a triune nature and what I mean by that is the Shama that we just read. We are body and the body matters. 
That's why we're talking about it to start 2024. We are, we are our minds, our thoughts, right? As a man thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, so he becomes. We are made up of our minds, but we are also made up to house the spirit of God. We are one person, but we have three distinct parts of us, just like God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have. And so I'm gonna talk to you guys today about loving God with this aspect that we rarely talk about in church, loving God with all of our strength or loving God and honoring God with all of our bodies. And I will start building the foundation. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture today uh, to, to make sense of this. In Genesis 2-7, when we're getting the creation account, it says this, then the Lord God formed the man, Adam, out of the what? Dust. So that's, that's the first part of the human body is just good old dust and then, and then it says, and he what? He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a what? A living being. Now that word living being, is a, it, it, we, we have two words for it in the English translation of the Hebrew, but when this was written in the Hebrew language, it's just one word, that term living being. It's the word nefesh. And go ahead and put what nefesh in the Hebrew language means. So we understand when God breathed into us and mixed us with dust in his divinity, his breath, here, here's what we became. Uh, nefesh, a living being, is your soul. I love how Eric explained it uh, from John Ortberg last week, right? He said our soul uh, is the sticky thing that keeps everything out, the body, mind, and spirit together, right? So your soul, it's all of you spiritual, which we love to come to church and talk about, right? That's why today's uh, messages can be kind of weird or out of nowhere is because we don't, we don't give the credence to the body and the time to the body that we do to the spirit. But when it comes to loving God with all of your soul, it's not just spiritual, but it is equally physical. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, we're gonna go, and I'm gonna break this down a little more in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter six, because the apostle Paul is talking a lot about the stewardship of our bodies. You will see it not just in chapter six, but you will see the stewardship of our bodies talked about tons in Corinth. And here's why. I'm gonna get a little nerdy on you for a minute historically, but this matters so that you understand the power of what Paul is saying. About 400 years before Jesus came to this earth, the chief leader in thought was a guy in the Greek society by the name of Plato. We've all heard of Plato, right? I'm not talking about the stuff we, we did as kids. I'm talking about the great Greek philosopher, Plato. He was 400 years before Jesus came. Now, he lived in the metro area of Corinth. Plato was the greatest thinker of his time, and so by the time Jesus got here, the Platonian thought was the chief way of thinking in the Greek world. Now, we're going to a letter in the Bible that was written to a Greek city in Corinth, and so you can imagine Paul is having to be very pastoral here because what, what, it, what he's got in the church of Corinth is a whole group of new believers because back then, everyone was a new believer in Jesus, right? Right? And so what Paul is having to kind of attack and he's kind of having to deconstruct is this idea that they had from Plato. And Paul was so gracious and pastoral about it because he wasn't mad at them for the way they were acting or thinking because he understood this is how you were born and raised. This is what your culture taught you in Corinth was to live according to the philosophies and the ways of life of Plato. 
And so Plato had this idea that the soul was just this profound, brilliant, beautiful thing to be stewarded, but he only thought about the soul in terms of a spiritual man, a spiritual nature, which he got right, and as a mental thing. It was all about your spiritual man and it was all about how you thought. And Plato was literally quoted in one of his most famous bits of writing as saying that the body was nothing more than a prison for the soul. He taught all of the time, passionately taught that the body was just an imprisonment for this beautiful thing, the mind that you have and the soul. And so what he ended up basically teaching the community there that Paul's gonna have to instruct or reconstruct is is that do whatever you want with your body. Eat, sleep, drink, be a glutton, uh, sexual ethics, all of that stuff as it relates to how it affects your body doesn't matter because the body's bad. All you need to do is take care of that mind of yours. All you need to do is take care of that spiritual nature that he believed we all had, but you don't need to worry about the body. And Paul comes in under the teachings of Christ and says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing that. A pastor named John Mark Comer in the Pacific Northwest, he's an incredible author and and preacher. He writes this when he's talking about uh, the body in one of his chapters in his book. He says, much of modern evangelical theology is more influenced by the teachings of Plato than by the story of the Bible. So Paul, as a loving pastor, does what I'm trying to do in the most loving way today. He attacks that Platonian way of thinking because so much of that still exists even within modern evangelical church world. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, you know the old saying, and this is hilarious because he quotes Plato. First you eat to live, then you live to eat. Now I'm reading out of a message paraphrase because I like to switch translations at the new year. It keeps things fresh but most of your Bibles will say food for the stomach and stomach for the food. That was a literal quote that he's quoting from Plato because they all knew that instantly. He said, well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that is no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, listen to this, honor him with your body. Your Bibles will say in a a more literal translation, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It goes on to say, God honored the masters. When he says masters in the paraphrase, he's meaning Jesus. God honored Jesus's body by raising it from the grave. Now listen to this. This is good news. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. But here we go. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. Skipping down to verse 19, it says this. Paul says, or didn't you realize, church in Corinth, all of you who grew up under Plato's teachings, he says, didn't you realize that your body is actually not a prison for the soul like Plato said? He says, didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you, I want you to hear this, The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Our bodies are the temple, right, of the Holy Spirit. 
this greatest gift that cost Jesus his life to give us, to empower us. We sang, I loved the set list today when we sang because we were honoring and welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. But, but the Holy Spirit, like let me put it this way. If someone told me some big famous person or the President of the United States uh, was gonna come to my house and stay with us for a couple days, Come on, you do the same thing too, no matter if you like the president or not. You would not just clean your house, you would deep clean your house, would you not? Because the quote unquote most powerful man or woman in the world is about to stay with you for the next 48 hours. I wouldn't just deep clean, I, I normally clean, we clean our own house, but I would hire someone, like someone really good at it, to like to come in, sweep everything, make everything so clean and so proper, why? Because you have a, a worldwide dignitary coming into your house and we are, we are easy, uh, it's easy for us to think about that when, when, when someone like that would be coming into our home, but think about it, you house the Holy Spirit, the living, active presence of God, you've been given this beautiful, dynamic, incredible body to take care of it so that we can honor God. And hear me when I say this today, because when I get practical is when some of the people, you start feeling some condemnation because maybe you had a donut on the way or anything. Listen to me, no condemnation for those of you who eat donuts. For those of you who are in Christ Jesus can have a donut. Can I get an Amen. I'm not here to spoil all your fun. I'm not here to be the big cosmic killjoy. But what I am here to do is to remind us that these bodies, although temporary, are one third of the divine makeup. When God fearfully and wonderfully knit you together in your mother's womb, we have been called as Christ followers to be incredible stewards of this gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's our bodies that we do that with. I'm wearing a, a sweater that is my son's because I don't have have any warm clothes down in Texas. And so I went to my son and I said, I'm going to an absurdly cold city to preach this weekend. Is there any way I could borrow that white sweater of yours because I know how warm it is? And he said, yeah, go ahead, it's in my room. And so I walk into his room. Now, we bought this sweater for him. I, I don't spend money on clothes. I'm not a style guy. Uh, almost every outfit I wear on the, uh, on, the, on the weekends to preach in are clothes from my son. Uh, I wear shorts and a t-shirt every day of the week and running shoes. That's simple, I'm a simple guy. I'm not into style that much or fashion, um, but when I went into his room, we bought this for him because he likes expensive clothes and we ain't rich, you know? So we bought this for him for Christmas slash birthday because they're real close together. This is way more, if I told you what this cost, uh, you would probably want to put me in jail. Like my son works for his clothes. If he wants to spend it on that, he's got to learn those lessons, do what he wants. But when I went in there to get the sweater, you know where it was at? Wrinkled up on the floor. And you want to know why? Because he didn't pay for it. Right? He had no skin in the game when it came to this thing. If it gets a little stain on it, well, it was fun while it lasted. But you know what? I didn't use my hard-earned work from my Pizza Hut job to pay for it, my son would say. My parents paid for it. No big deal, right? But when I went into his closet, just as an experiment, knowing I was coming to talk about this, there were a few clothes that he paid for that were nice and nice clothes with his own hard-earned money. And guess where they were? Hanging up in the closet. Ironed in pristine condition, why? Because he had some skin in the game for those clothes versus the ones that I had paid for. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. You, the gift you have been given at the Holy Spirit, that cost Jesus his life. 
so that his, instead of him walking and living around you, now his presence could go everywhere with you. You are one in the name of Jesus away from his presence being active and vibrant in your day-to-day life, but it is the body that stores this precious Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna get real practical for my last few minutes if you guys will allow me because I want, here's my heart. I want 2024 to just be a year of a lot of wins for every single person in this room. Come on, that's what you want to. Listen to me, we all know this. Yeah, we can clap for that. I want wins for you guys. I pray for you guys. I love you guys. I want wins for me and I wanna love my neighbors ourselves. So I'm rooting for you this year. But we have been given stewardship over this year. You're gonna have some tough times, that's inevitable. You're gonna go through some difficulties this year. I hate that, but that's just an inevitable part of your year. But there are some things that God has put, for for all the things that are out of our control, God has put some things in our control. And one of the things he's asked us to really steward and partner with him is the caretaking of our bodies. There's hundreds of things we can do to honor God with our bodies. I don't have time to go over even five of them. I'm just gonna take what I think are the big three. These are the fundamentals to the care and the nurturing of our bodies. And I'm gonna start with this one. In 2024, here's what I am believing for every single one of us. This would be a year where you get the best sleep of your life. Can I get an amen? As I get older, sleep gets harder. The minute I had that first kid, it was like, bye-bye sleep, right? Hello, parenting. Like my body now, I can't sleep yet. I, I, I want you guys to have the best sleep you have had in years. The Bible says this, a literal quote from the scriptures, God gives sleep to those he loves. Listen to what I read in a book. Matt Walker, a, a sleep specialist, wrote this. The best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. Sleep is the single most effective thing that we can do to reset our brain and reset our body's health every single day. There's a scripture I quote often because it's one of my favorite in all the Bibles. You've heard me say it a bunch, right? But it's, it's Lamentations chapter three and the prophet Jeremiah says, God's mercies are new how often? Now, that, doesn't that sound spiritual and beautiful? Like God's mercies are new every morning. I get a fresh, we're, we're humans. We need a fresh start every day, do we not? Because days get crazy by the end of them, right? But I don't think this is just some beautiful phrase of faith by the prophet Jeremiah. Do you know how much, because we live in the, the 21st century, do you know how much scientific data we have about the power of sleep on the human body? You can now know why God gives sleep to those he loves because it is the single most important thing you can do to regenerate your cells, to not just live another day, but to live another good day for the purpose and for the glory of God. In fact, when I'm talking about things as unchurchy as they think, this is totally churchy, by the way, but, but we don't talk about it enough. You're like, you're gonna talk, I came to church and you're gonna talk to me about my sleep patterns? Yeah, yeah. Because here's why. It's, it's, it's not so we can be impressed with our, you have a grand purpose while you're on this side of the grave. 
Someday we are not gonna need sleep or slumber anymore. Our bodies will not require it for an eternity. Can I give you real good news? Go back and read it this week. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul sums all of his difficult teachings about the body. He sums it up in chapter 15 towards the end by saying, but be of hope, church of Corinth, because after you breathe your last breath, you're gonna get a new body. And he says this language, and I quote, it's gonna be an indestructible body. It is gonna be an incorruptible body. It is gonna be a body without decay. It is gonna be a body that has zero temptation towards anything unholy or sinful. You're not only gonna not sin, there is gonna be zero temptation towards any kind of dysfunction in your life. There's gonna be no more funerals. There's gonna be no more grieving. There's gonna be no more sickness. There's gonna be no more pain. The old order of things will have passed away, but we don't live in that beautiful era yet. We are still hoping for the second coming of Jesus Christ, are we not? So in the meantime, while our bodies are decaying, one of the best things you can do to honor your body is to go to sleep. Let let me give you a biblical uh, illustration of this that I think is one of the most powerful and beautiful. Uh, There's this awesome story, many of you, if you've gone to church very long, in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah, right? It's one of those bad boy stories I love because he's up on a mountain and he's gonna go to battle with 400 prophets of, of Baal, right? And he goes up to the mountain and it's gonna be this like Olympics of spirituality and and it's one against 400, right? And Elijah's the prophet of God for Israel. And long story short, if you've never read it, he goes up there and he lets them go first and they do all their incantations and the 400 prophets of Baal do all of their spiritual practices and they do all their chants and they can't call rain down from heaven because they had been in a drought for three years, by the way. They can't call fire down from heaven. Nothing's working. You gotta go back and read it because uh, Elijah starts talking trash to him the whole time it's not working. And I didn't know as Christians we were allowed to do any of that but it's kind of my love language. So I'm kind of like, this is amazing. There's some precedents for talking trash in, in the Bible. He starts talking trash. Nothing happens. They get super frustrated to the point. It's crazy back in the old days. They started cutting themselves and just trying anything. None of it was working. And then Elijah gets up there and he just starts to, on the, in the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel that we, we started this sermon out with praying about, he just starts talking and petitioning the God of Yahweh to bring rain and to bring fire. And guess what? It happens. And the 400 prophets of Baal are slaughtered. This is like one of the biggest moments in Israel's history at that time. Elijah just must have been the man. He's the Michael Jordan of spirituality. Everyone wanted his jersey, you know, to wear. It's Elijah, man. He's our guy. Look what look how he represented Yahweh. He goes down the mountain and in less than 24 hours, he receives word from the prophets of Baal's leader. It was a woman by the name of Jezebel. And she sends a messenger and says, "Tell him that um, that if he's not dead, in this next week, then take my soul. Like I am going to kill you for what you did to my community and what you did to my prophets. You will be dead. You know what what Elijah does? The big, strong, powerful guy who just had one of the biggest victories up on that mountain. He was talking trash. Do you know what he does? He becomes suicidal. Go read it yourself. All of a sudden, his mental health was in a, a very quick decline. He, he, he's so brave before 400 men and then one woman sends word and she doesn't even live close to him. She sends word that she's gonna come and kill him and you know what he literally says? God, just take my life, I'm done. Now, here's what I'm getting at. Do you know what God's response was to Elijah? Take a nap. 
Literally, you can go read it. God's prescription to Elijah, and this speaks to us about the beautiful nature, our triune nature of mind, body, and spirit, how they have to honor each other. That's why I started out talking about the relationship of the Trinity is how we honor each other because God didn't just make us spiritual beings. God didn't just make us emotional beings. God didn't just make us to be mental beings. He also made us to be physical beings and our physiology matters to our spirituality. God said, Elijah, you're not really uh, as suicidal as you think right now. I know you're being dramatic right now, but you know what the problem is? You need a nap and you need to eat some good food. So if you go on to read the story, an angel from God brings Elijah uh, two meals and he takes two naps. And then you know what he does? He feels mercies that are new. And it was all a physiological issue. It was an issue of you just gave your whole heart and soul to this battle that you're in. Your spiritual tank is incredibly empty right now, Elijah. So don't get all crazy. Don't get all in your fills. Don't feel like the world's ending. All you are is tired because you just depleted your spirituality for my glory. Every time I get up to preach, I love preaching. It's such a privilege. And so whether I do a good job or not, I never know. But I just give my heart. I'm passionate when I do it because I believe so much in the truth and in the word of God. But do you want to know what the most important day of a preacher's life is? It's Monday. You think it's Sunday. No, Sunday, man, the table's been set. People come to church even when it's seven below out. Like people are hungry, people are expectant. This is the easy work. You know what the hard work is, is when I get on a plane and I fly home tonight and I wake up in the morning and I have to get up, I'm a dad, so I still have to get up and get the kids off to school and I have to start working on the message for next week, wherever I'm at next week, you know? And I, and I, have, I have a tank that is completely empty because my job while I'm here with you guys is to pour myself out. I get tired spiritually. I get tired emotionally, having to travel all day. I get tired physically. I'm not saying, oh, Chad, that's so impressive. We all have those rhythms. Whatever work you do, whatever parenting you do, you, you, you wake up with new mercies, and then by the time the night comes, right, that tank starts to get, it's like a gas tank. It starts to get smaller and smaller and more empty and more empty and more empty. And so the stewardship of our physical bodies is how we honor the spirit in our body to be everything that only the spirit can be. They're working together. Uh, the, next, the next big one isn't just sleep, and you guys know what's coming next. It, it's, it's food, right? We gotta have food to live. It's not something you can quit very often, right? You gotta have food to live. But man, there is so many physical ailments and difficulties and things that we all, as I've had to walk through them because of some of my misstewardship of my body. We all have it. So please, here's where the condemnation, I wanna be so careful. Here's where, where if I don't say things right, we can feel condemned. I, I don't care about anybody in here looking like a Greek God. I'm not here to talk to you about anything concerning vanity. God made you fearfully and wonderfully made I get righteously angry, especially with, with, with women and especially, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I get so righteously angry, especially with what social media is doing to young ladies and the image that they, the, the pressure, the, uh, the unrealistic um, values that have been put on you young ladies and even now, you older ladies. And it's, it's for us too, men. Do you realize the power of body image? Do you realize that one of the first things that brought shame ever in the history of humanity was when Adam and Eve realized they were what? 
naked and what came with it. God didn't intend us originally before sin entered the world to have one bit of disdain or hate for our body image. And so when, when I have to be so careful when I talk about this stuff because you need to be secure in Christ and who you are. You need to love yourself where you are at right now. I don't care what kind of shape you're in or what kind of shape you're not in. You are a son and you are a daughter of the king. And he's not checking your body fat ratio. He's not checking your height. Thank God I'm not that tall. He's not checking your athleticism. He's not taking role at how much you went to the gym in 2020. This isn't me saying either, but I will say this, man. God did create foods for us to eat, and now in 2024, there are more foods that weren't created by God for us to eat than there are foods created by God for us to eat. So what if practically this year, I've done this the last three or four years, and the reason I get so excited about this is because it has made such a massive difference on my personal health. I just decided I'm done with the crash diets. Some of you don't struggle with that, but I'm all in. When I'm a passionate person, so when I go in, I go ham, man. I go all in. And, and so what I would do every January is, what's the latest fad? All right, give me the book. I'm reading it, and I'm doing it. And for two weeks, I was so good out of the gates, man. I'm good at the sprint when it comes to resolutions, but I am not a marathon runner, y'all. But I just started making small changes to health issues, and here's what's even more important than what I practically changed. I changed my motive. My motive started to become this. God, I'm a father of four, a husband of one, a preacher of many. You have given me a privilege and a purpose while I'm on this earth. My first and foremost is to be an incredible husband and a great father. But you've also given me a privilege to preach the gospel. I, I owe it to myself and I in worship owe it to you to try and get better. Because y'all, I'm a foodie. I, I am not a health nut. I am not naturally into nutrition. I do not like it. I, I like this way more than I like this. Some of you, you're very good at it. I'm happy for you, teach me your ways. But I, I mean, this is a mockery compared to this, right? But there, there's these diets out right now, paleo, vegan, what, carnivore diet? What, what are I wrote some down. Paleo, vegan, carnivore diet, the Whole30 diet. There's a bunch of these, and I'm not promoting any of those because you're all adults, you got autonomy. You do you, boo, right? I'm not, up here promoting, I'm not up here promoting any of those. I will say this, though. The one reoccurring theme about all these different approaches is it's more real food, less fake food. So what I did about five years ago is instead of this big mass diet, I said, God, I'm gonna make one change a year for the next decade, and I'm five years in. I'm just gonna make one change, and it's not gonna be some big, massive change. It's gonna be one small, attainable thing, and when I do it, my motivation to do it, because it's not, not one small change I made did anything to change how I look. But what I'm gonna do is, my goal is, I want to worship you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross to die and come back to life so that someday I could get a new body that will never have to have these talks again and never struggle with this stuff again. And so you know what I just started doing? The first thing I did five years ago was every time I wanna have, I would have, I'm not kidding, I would have ice cream four to five nights a week and I don't need a small amount. Like I could pound through a Ben and Jerry's four or five nights a week. It's bad for the finances too, by the way. But I would say, I'm gonna go down to once a week I can do that. I can train my brain to do that. And when I'm craving, 
ice cream. I like, this is one of my favorite fruits. So I said, I'm gonna eat an apple. Because I love this. Like your brain, ice cream's like sin. The Bible says it's fun for a season, but at the end it leads to death. This is what, what do we got here? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so for the next 20 minutes, if I kept eating that, my body's gonna be so happy. Like high, literally, physiologically high. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, my body's gonna be like, yes, thank you. Whatever that was, the brain's gonna go, oh, awesome, thank you, that's wonderful. And then for the next 12 hours, I'm gonna just be lethargic and having a tough day and being like, why can't I get going today? Maybe it's the pound of Ben and Jerry's you just ate, right? Like, so what I started doing was just one small change. It's the power of compound interest. And you know what? If you, if you just do a small change for a little while, your brain gets trained to need that change. Habits are good. or If we have good habits this year or bad habits, your brain will literally teach your body to crave whatever your habits are. It's just a physiological thing. We get all spiritual about it. It's literally your brain going, you love ice cream, you have it five nights a week. Where's our ice cream, Chad? Your brain's going, it's time for the ice cream. But what I slowly started doing over time was my brain started going, hey, I kind of like that apple. Do you know there's so much stuff in this that isn't real food? So when you metabolize it, your brain goes into huge confusion. That's when the blood sugar starts doing all the things it wasn't created to do. That's when, like, I, it's type for me, you know, I, I, I type two, I, I'm like, I call it project numb toes when I eat such bad nutrition that I, I become type two diabetic immediately, like, and I can't fill my toes. I thought that was funny. That wasn't funny at all. Okay, <laughs> project, I won't say that next week. But when I do this, my body effortlessly knows how to metabolize this. Why? This is from God's spoken word. Do you know this was a rarity for a lot of the cultures we read about in scriptures? Do you know what kind of dessert and gift this was for so many cultures? To get to have one of these every now and then and to taste the natural sugars that come from it. My brain and body effortlessly knows what to do with that. What, I'm just getting at that. What if this year, you don't try to change the world. I'm not gonna lose 50 pounds and I'm gonna look like a CrossFitter for the first. Who cares about all that stuff? What if this year we all just said, I'm gonna do one thing, believing in the power of compound interest. I'm gonna do one thing that honors my body nutritionally this year. I'm gonna make one small change. Because here's what's awesome. I've done that once a year. Because after the first year I go, oh, that's, that's not hard to do at all. And my motivation is what was the game changer. It was, I wanna honor you with my body. So when I really wanted that ice cream, I'd go, this is worship for me right now. This isn't about vanity anymore or trying to see an ab this year. This is I really wanna honor the Holy Spirit who lives within me. You, got, you guys, this is a weird message, so I'm gonna say, does this make sense to you guys? Like, I want you to be encouraged this year. Just one small change. And then, of course, the last one is this, and I, my, time's, my time's coming up. You guys have been awesome. I have 56 seconds, so I'm gonna talk so fast. I wrote, the third thing is this, just move. Move your body. Your body's a gift. There's so many people that I, I know that because of some, some ailment or something that happened to them, debilitated their bodies, and they, they're in a position now in life where they can't move the way they, they were meant to move. And I am able to move, do you, and, and I use friends of mine that are in those kind of positions to remind me they would kill 
to go for a 20 minute walk right now and can't. And you can totally go for a 20 minute walk right now and get up your endorphins. Do you know how spiritual things start to look when your endorphins are up? You think endorphins are just an an arbitrary thing from God? It is a God-given drug in our brains that we get from breaking a sweat and moving. When you're endorphins, my best sermon prep comes at the gym. I pray, I read the Bible at home, I do my work because that's my job, but some of my best understanding of what I'm trying to communicate every weekend actually happens when I start breaking a sweat and moving. And it's not because there's something super special about the gym, It's uh, it's because my endorphins are up. God created the body. Endorphins are a gift from God. It illuminates things. It makes things more clear in your life. Some of my most spiritual profound revelations that affected me so spiritually came because I just went and broke a sweat. And God spoke to me in the middle of that. What if in 2024, I don't care about any of you becoming super gym people. I don't care. I'm just saying if your body is able in 2024, man, break a sweat for the glory of Jesus. Go on a walk. We know, we know scientifically the single healthiest, greatest form of exercise is not throwing up huge weights. It's not doing what all the pro athletes are doing. It's not running a marathon. If you're into that as a hobby, I salute you. I love the gym. But can I tell you the single greatest, and this is scientifically proven, the single healthiest, greatest, most effective form of treating your body the way it needs to be treated is walking. Good old-fashioned walking, man. What if in 2024, practically, knowing how important your bodies are to your purpose, loving God with all your strength, not someone else's strength, by the way. No comparisons today in the name of Jesus. You're running your race. You're not running someone else's race. Quit watching people on TV. Quit watching people on social media to try and get an idea of what you should live like or think like. No, 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 no. You live how you live for the glory of Jesus. You make your decisions about your body, right? You decide how you wanna steward them. My challenge to you from one human to the next is let's this year just say with our bodies, God, give me a few small steps that I can take nutritionally, sleep-wise, and movement-wise that I can do as an act of worship to you. Not an act of vanity. Nah, it's, that's small, that's silly. That's a, that's, an, that's a futile game. It doesn't work. But God, what if I just did a few things this year that are small, that I add? Would you give me the grace to do that, God? And I'm gonna believe that over time, that compound interest is gonna bring some really beautiful fruit, pun intended, some, some really beautiful fruit into my life. I'm gonna end, I went over, as I famously do. Um, don't worry, I won't be back for a little while, so you, you'll be back. But, but this is such an important topic. This is such an important topic. So I, I love this verse that I'm gonna end with. Again, I'm, I'm in the paraphrased version this year for 2024, so it's said so beautifully. This is our prayer as we wrap up today. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, which we'll talk about most of the year, but then what? Body, it matters, y'all. It goes on to say this, and keep you fit 
for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. And then this is my favorite part. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. And I, in the last five years of taking this message seriously, have seen God honor me. All he asked me was small choices and he did, he's been doing some big work in my life in this issue of, of health. God will do it. God is faithful. It's his desire that our bodies are sanctified, holy, and pleasing to him. And what we do with these things deeply matter. I've more than made the point and said my piece. Uh, I pray, you guys, that I had the right heart for you today. I pray that not one of you, yeah, Jesus, please. I pray that my tone was pastoral and kind because you are, right now, as loved as you will ever be by God. It doesn't shift and change with the stewardship of your body, mind, and spirit. It's not about trying to impress God. It's trying to live this life to the fullest, to bring worship to him, to bring honor to him. We're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you in the grip of his grace. May he cause his face to shine upon you and your family in 2024. May he be radically gracious to every single one of you in the sound of my voice. And may you walk out of these doors today with a peace that passes understanding, that guards your hearts and guards your minds in Christ Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen.